is good. So, oh, no, I'm sorry. Second Chronicles 17 and 3. About, about to jump scriptures here. Good to see everybody. Glad to see Sister Becky and Sister Faye this morning. Glad they're able to be here today. Second Chronicles 17 and 3. And the Lord was with Jehoshaphat. Because he walked in the first ways of his father David, and he sought not unto Balaam. I want to preach for a little bit an ounce of prevention. An ounce of prevention. Let's pray together. Lord, we love you this morning. We thank you for all that you do, all that you are. We trust you this morning. We love your word. Let it find good ground in our heart, God. Let us grow and be better. Lord, be ready to meet you when you come. We ask it in Jesus' name. Everyone said amen. Give a hand clap and a shout for the word of God today. Thankful for the word of God. Thank you, Jesus. You can be seated. God bless you. Well, there's so much to preach in one scripture. So much to preach in one scripture. Jehoshaphat, the Lord was with him. Now, uh, this, I'm just going to have to do it because I can't stay off this little side note here. It says, he was with Jehoshaphat because he walked in the first ways of his father David. Now, God loves everybody. Walking with him or not, he loves them. He loved me before I loved him. He loved us first. We know he loves us. But for all these people that think, man, God's just going to do everything for you and you can do what you want to do. The Lord was with Jehoshaphat because he walked in the first ways of his father David and he sought not unto Baal. He said, I'm not going to go the way of the world. I'm going to go the way of the Lord. Uh, you know, man, it's time that we just make a decision that we're just going to live for God. And my, my title today, An Ounce of Prevention, you know, Jehoshaphat was taking preventive measures for his life to be better by choosing to walk with God. Not saying, let me try it on my own for a while and then I'll, if that doesn't work out, then I'll just start looking for the Lord because often that don't work real good. Uh, many times people don't make it to that cho choosing the Lord. But Jehoshaphat said, I, he chose. Now he, his father walked in the ways of the Lord. When you're summing up Jehoshaphat's life uh, in chapter 20 and verse 32, it said, again, it just summarized, it said, Jehoshaphat walked in the ways of his father Asa. Asa was a great king, and he served the Lord. And he said, he departed not from doing that which was right in the sight of the Lord. So uh, this was his life. It made up his life. And at the end of his life, he still had that good testimony that he was walking with the Lord. He had uh, some, he, he, he chose an ounce of prevention over a pound of cure. Ben Franklin said that, and in other words, it's, it's better to uh, find ways to keep a bad thing from happening than it is to fix the bad thing once it has happened. Like when you're trying to work on your car. Sometimes, me and Brother Shannon were just talking about that, and, and I said, I've tried to do things before that I thought, well, I'll do this, and it'll save me some money, but I've just messed it up. 
and I had to call somebody anyway, and it cost me more because I thought I knew what I was doing. You know, an ounce of prevention would have been called the mechanic because uh, that pound of cure is pretty heavy sometimes. That's the heaviest pound you'll ever lift. You know, it's, uh, you know, it's easier to, to stay healthy. We, we, you know, we always, oh, it's so hard to eat healthy. It's so hard to exercise and do things. But, buddy, that's a lot cheaper than the doctor bill. <laughs> you know, I would rather do what I could to try and be healthy, eat right. I don't. I'm just, I'm just I'm going to lie. I ain't like I'm promoting good health here because I'm, I'm for it. I just can't. It's, you know, I have a hard time with that. Hey, it's Christmas tree cake season. I don't know what you want me to do. It's, it's tough. It's pie season and turkey season. Anyway, uh, but what I'm saying is that, you know, uh, it would be easier if we would just adopt a healthy lifestyle than to have to try to go to the doctor and take all these medicines and pills to fix it later on. Uh, it's easier to do those things. There was a man... And what I want to talk about today in this is because I mentioned Jehoshaphat, not so much as him being the king he is, but because he was the product of his father. And um, there's a, a, a saying, we've all heard it, a man by the name of Frederick Douglass said, it's easier to build strong children than to repair broken men. And in other words, uh, we need to work at that ounce of prevention we, we've got uh, a job in the kingdom, and that uh, in discipleship, uh, uh, but discipleship starts at home. You, you don't neglect your home for the church. You just don't. You don't neglect um, your children for people who are not your children. You, you know, we, that, that, uh, even in the Old Testament when God was talking to Israel, he, when he was giving them uh, the commandments, he, he would tell them, he said, you're going to talk about these things when you get up, when you lay down, you're going to talk to your kids about them, you're going to share this stuff, this is going to be in your home. And so it needs to be uh, something we learn that it's in our home. And the reason Jehoshaphat is the way he is, is because he had an example. If his father had not walked in those ways, would he have done that? I don't know. Uh, sometimes children find their way. There are We know that there's first-generation people in the church. They end up finding their way to the house of God, sure. And let me say this, that just because we teach them right doesn't mean that they will always do right. <laughs> hey, Jehoshaphat, he still made some mistakes, uh, even though he did things that were right in the sight of the Lord, and he was a good king, but he joined himself up with uh, a bad king, with Ahab one time, and Ahab almost got him killed in a battle. But he got out of that. God was with him and protected him. And then at the end of his life, he joined up with another wicked king to try to send some ships off to get some gold. And the prophet said, hey, you joined up with this wicked king, so God's going to destroy this work. And all them ships with gold just sunk. They never made it back or either even got there. But he, so it doesn't mean that uh, teaching them right and living right before them they're immune from making mistakes or bad choices. It's going to happen. But uh, that doesn't take away. You know, you can't say, well, they'll make their own choices when they get there. That's the stupidest reasoning I've ever heard in my life. And I'm just, I say, right, that's just, that's not right. You don't say, well, I'm going to let my kids just 
decide what they're going to let them grow up and then they'll decide one day. Man, live your life for the Lord in front of them. You can't just tell them about living for God and then not live for God. You can't tell them, well, you need to go to church, but then not go to church because your kids will suffer for it. They will. When they're left to their own devices, they'll choose the wrong thing every time. We need somebody to live that life in front of them. And that's what uh, the, the scriptures letting us know. This was something that was passed on. That Jehoshaphat had a father that served God and walked with God. And he saw that and he made a decision. He wasn't forced into it. He said, well, I can do because we knew there was another choice. He could have sought Balaam. But he said, you know, I've kind of watched how some of these dudes did that sought Balaam. Didn't work out real good. But I watched my dad prosper under the hand of God. And I think I'll just choose to serve the Lord. And I'll do what is right in the sight of the Lord. Listen, uh, Paul, he, he was a, a great mentor, even the father in the Lord to Timothy. And he wrote this to Timothy, 2 Timothy 1 and 5. He said, Timothy, when I remember the faith that's in you, now you didn't just get this on your own, Timothy. He said, it was in your grandmother, Lois, at first. And then it was even in your mother, Eunice. And he said, and now I am persuaded that it is in you also, that this is something that has been passed down. They, your grandmother lived it, your mother lived it, and now it's in you. And you, Timothy was just a young man. He said, but I see that this unfeigned faith is in you also. But it's there because someone decided, I'm going to just uh, teach my child about the Lord. And so while we are discipling, a lot of times people, we talk about babies in the Lord. That's not, look, don't ever, if somebody ever mentions that to you, don't, don't be offended at that. Hey, we were all babies in the Lord at one time. I was, I was in my late 20s when I came to God. I was a baby in the Lord. I didn't know nothing about serving God. I just knew what was going on in my life, what I was feeling, what was happening. I was learning, like, I mean, like I was a brand new newborn trying to figure out how do you live for the Lord? And I, thankfully, I had people teaching me that. And so don't ever be offended if somebody says, well, you know, you're just young in the Lord. You're right. I am. And But, you know, sometimes when we're in the natural, we hate somebody to refer to our youth. Oh, look, you're just young. Boy, I just, because we want to be grown so bad. Oh, you're going to wish you hadn't been like that when you get a little older. You're like, boy, I wish I was 20 again. Uh, you know, but uh, it happens. But we want to pass this thing on. And, I, and I'll say this. There is no knowledge. Listen, I don't, I don't know what your specialty is. But there is no knowledge greater that you can pass on to your child than to know God and to serve him and know his ways and trust in him. You might know how to throw a curveball, a knuckleball, a fastball hit the home run, kick the ball, throw the pass, shoot the deer, catch the fish, work on the car, uh, do math. Uh, yeah, who needs math? Uh, but you, it, it, whatever skill you have, man, teach it to them. Teach them to walk, talk, and do it. I'm thankful, man, that, that I could play ball growing up and, and did pretty good at it, you know, I thought. And, um, but, you know, teach them you know, music, playing and singing and doing all, but there is no, none of that means anything without the Lord. And if we're going to stop the, the onslaught that is against our children in this world today, 
then some parents better stand up in the Holy Ghost and start raising their kids to fear God and serve the Lord. <laughs> That's just it. We have got to not cave in to this uh, tolerance movement that has come through and, and uh, things like that and just let our kids know, hey, this is what we do. Now, guess what? They might just disappoint you terribly one day because it happens. But there's a scripture that uh, gives me hope in Proverbs 22 and 6. It said, if you train up a child in the way that he would go, and when he's old, he won't depart from it. And so there will come an age where it's there. I can tell you, kids that were raised in church that maybe walked away from God, they remember what you told them. Because when things get shaky, who are they calling to pray for them? Who, who, what, what do they want to do? They, they, want, they want to talk to the mama or grandmama or grandpa, somebody that prayed or taught or did something to them. They, they're going to reach out and hopefully maybe even find their way back into the house of God. There's hope for that. That's what that scripture gives. And so there's hope that we'll make those, we'll do right so they'll do right. And so uh, sure that that's what I'm doing. And I think that, uh, you know, I've got a, a lot you know, we all have a lot on our plate that one day, you know, the Bible says we will give an account for everything we've done. I want to make sure that when, he, when the Lord's going down the list, he says, oh, by the way, why did you ever talk to your kids about God? <laughs> uh, why, why, why did you uh, discourage your kids uh, from going to church? Or why did you tell your kids, you ain't got to do what the preacher says, just do what you want to do and, and you'll be all right, you know. I don't want to answer for that. And so I'm going to tell my kid now, you think my kids have liked everything I've ever told them? No, they hadn't. Just like I didn't like everything my mama told me, but she was my mama, she was my, you know, and they were my guardian. And, you know, sometimes I listened. Back then, a lot of times I didn't listen. I didn't let her know I didn't listen. I just snuck on. But, you know, that's just how I was before the Lord. But, um, you know, you tell them and you, you hope. But, but if you don't do anything, Man, they're headed. They're, they're headed for trouble. Listen, children need somebody to tell. No matter what they think today, children. I, I'll give you this. I, I believe children are smarter today, I, especially with technology and things like that. I am amazed at how early kids now can operate tablets and pads, know how to open your phone and do things, and know how to turn the TV on or something. I mean, just they just have learned, you know, for us, it was, we learned how to hit a ball, we learned how to kick a ball, kick a can, ride a broomstick for a horse, you know, I mean, we, you know, we was learning things too, but it just wasn't, uh, if we wanted to turn the TV on, you went over and you pulled the little knob and you, tick, 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 you turned the channel, yes, and you went outside and you turned the antenna until the signal come in, you know, we had things we learned too, we learned skills, but they are. They, I mean, you, you give it to them. They're, they're smart today. But that knowledge that they're getting, they, when they, I think it almost empowers them a little bit. And if we don't curb that, if we don't curb that with a little, uh, hey, the Lord is the most important thing you'll ever learn about. I know the world 
don't believe in the Lord. I know you probably go to school with people that don't believe in the Lord. Your teacher probably don't believe in the Lord. I mean, it's uh, a lot of people that just believe in the Lord anymore. And you may feel like you stand out or stick out. or But listen, this is life or death. This is uh, the future. You know, we would tell our kids, you touch that, you're going to get a beating. You do that, I'm taking away your privileges. I'm going to do this. You know, we would tell them, there's going to be a punishment how often do we ever tell them about the consequences of not serving God? Oh, they're too young to hear that. If you saw your kid walking over to put his hand on top of the stove, would you just say, I'll let, just let him learn? Oh, you'd be diving, trying to catch him and hollering and screaming like, ah, because you don't want him to do that because it would burn him and it would scar them for life. And yet, they could not serve God and spend eternity lost. We won't say that. I don't think that ought to be every day. Wake up, Junior. It's time to go to school. Serve the Lord or you're going to hell. <laughs> say your prayers before you go to bed or you'll die in your sleep and you're going to go to hell. I mean, no. I mean, that's not the proper way of addressing that. But uh, they should know that things are not right and that it's not just going that it, you're displeased with that but that God is displeased with that kid, hey, you, know, kid, you know what kids do when they're little? lie because they don't want to disappoint you or they don't want to get in trouble they don't want to lose privileges they don't want to belt or switch so oh I didn't do that and you know we told our kids when they were little you think what you want to about it but say, hey you know where people that lie go to? fire they go to fire, don't they, Jake? Are you lying? No. Because you know what happens? I don't want to go to fire. I was like, then you better tell me the truth. And it's, you know, you know that's, that was cruel. It wasn't cruel. It's the truth. Because the scripture says all liars will have their part in the lake that burns with fire. Little liars grow up to be big liars. Yeah. So uh, we teach them that's not right at an early age. Yeah, we teach them there's one God, that he loves you more than anything, that he died for you, gave his life, shed his blood to wash you white as snow, will fill you with the Holy Ghost. There's heaven waiting one day, streets of gold, and all the things that are great about God, the love of God, the, the mercy and grace of God, the forgiveness of God, all these things. We tell them all that stuff, but they've got to know, because if you, well, there ain't nothing bad with God. Oh, but one day he's going to sit on the judgment seat and not the mercy seat. You know, Sister Faye, I heard your husband preach a message one night, and he had, he had a guy sit, he had two chairs sitting in front of the pulpit. It was at Brother Hart's church, and uh, I believe it was Brother Curbo, and he sat in one of the chairs, he said, and he told him, he said, any time in the middle of this message, he said, you change seats. He said, you don't tell me, I'm not telling you. He said, just when you feel like you change. And his message was that now God's on the mercy seat, but one day he'll be on the judgment seat. And so while he was sitting in that one seat, he was preaching about the mercy of God. Man, he was just preaching up a storm, and all of a sudden that brother got up and just swapped seats, and he just flipped the channel right there and started preaching about judgment. Man, what a powerful image it was that one day God will move from that mercy seat and, and to that judgment. And, and uh, man, that judgment, he, he's a righteous judge, but he is the judge, and it's coming one day. So I want to make sure that now 
while these while we've got these kids, when you man, when you've got that influence in their life, that ounce of prevention, oh, it's so much cheaper than that pound of cure. Oh, to 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 have to try to straighten them out because well, we we didn't want them to stand out. We didn't want nobody to make fun of them. We didn't want to. Oh my goodness, no! Uh, what you don't want to do is have to. Uh, get them out of rehab and get them out of jail and get them out of these situations and things like that. And, and like I said, they could, they, they could still, there's always that chance they're going to choose something, end up in the wrong place at the wrong time. There's always things that happen. But, friend, I'm telling you, there is nothing greater than just standing up and telling my children about the Lord. Don't ever let somebody make you feel bad for raising your kid in the fear of God. And don't you ever feel bad for being a parent that loves the Lord. It's just one of those things that I'm just kind of burnt out with, with people uh, saying, you know, uh, you know what's coming back? People are, you know, we used to talk about how we would always be called, well, you're a fanatic. You're a fanatic. Fanatics, somebody that's just, you know, well, we got a lot of sports fanatics. Yeah, we got people that's, that's they're nuts. Yeah, I, I see people. Uh, well, I, you know, Georgia Bulldogs. I bleed red and black. No, you don't. But you know, or I bleed orange, or I bleed purple and yellow, or you know, you know, or I bleed crimson, whatever. You know, yeah, I, no, you don't. But it, but see, they're, they're, so it's just it's in my blood. It's in my. That's who I am. I'm. You know, hey, guess what? They won. If the if the if you got a choice of going through the gates and hearing well done or seats to the national championship, what are you picking? I know some people that'd be like, "Can I get both?" I mean, really? They're they're that, they're that burnt out, you know, dedicated to their fanatic. But anyway, what I'm saying is fanatical is that people think now that it's like it's, that's coming back around. It's like, but. It's not the world calling us fanatics. It's other people who sit in the house of God saying, you're just being fanatical. There's no sense in getting that carried away with the Lord. Well, well, all all those elders that we speak so highly of, they was fanatics. (laughs) Don't don't, don't be talking fondly about somebody that went on and got their reward when you're going to talk about the way they got the reward. That's, a, that's it. Because you ain't going to get it no different than they got it. You're going to have to live it the way they lived it. We got to live it the way the, the Word says. And I'm, I'm glad that I got somebody that would teach me that. Because let me tell you, this ounce of prevention, uh, it's, it's a lot more cost effective than that pound of cure. That pound of cure, uh, it takes something out of you. Listen to what the psalmist said, Psalm 78. He's talking to the people of God. He said, Oh, give ear, O my people, to my law. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I'll open my mouth in a parable and I'll utter dark sayings of old, which we have heard and known, and our fathers have told us. Our fathers told us this. Our, our, our people, this is something that's been passed down. This is not something we got put on the bus at the curb to go off to Sunday school so somebody else could tell us about the Lord. But our fathers told us about this, and we will not hide them from their children. 
we're going to show to the, the generation to come the praises of the Lord and his strength and his wonderful works that he has done. We used to talk about, you know, stories that our elders told us. They would tell us how God worked a miracle in one of these services and how the Holy Ghost came down in this service and how this had. How many times do you tell some other young person or your children even about a revival from 20 years ago or 10 years ago or last week? I mean, we talk about everything else. I was thinking about this this morning. I said, man, I've got so many things in my head that I know God has done that I've seen God do. Then the things that I know that, I, that God did because I heard about it, and then I saw the witness of it, and I saw I knew it was true. I'm like, but are these stories just going to finally go away because they're not being retold? These testimonies are not being uh, retold. And, and um, you know, but they, they said, we We've been told this, and we've been our fathers told this stuff to us, and so we're not going to hide from uh, children. We're going to show the generation to come. We're going to show them the praises of the Lord, His strength, His wonderful works that He has done. We're going to show them what God's done. He established a testimony in Jacob, appointed a law in Israel, uh, which He commanded our fathers that they should make them known to their children. Man, if you don't have kids yet. And if that comes one day, you tell them, one day I was in church and I was crying and I was praying and God filled me with the Holy Ghost. What's that mean, Mama? What's that mean, Daddy? It means I started speaking in tongues and the Spirit of God was living inside of me and then the pastor took me and he baptized me. They need to be asking questions. What, what's that mean? What, what's that mean to get baptized? You, you, need to tell them, you know, one time we was in church and there was a guy that was sick and he was about gone, but God touched him and healed him and he's living still today. We need to tell them about the things that God's doing. You'd be surprised. Uh, of course, a lot of you know, but uh, there's a lot of names that our church people know, Sister Faith. They know Brother Conaway. Uh, I've mentioned him Many times, Brother Everhard, Brother Lewis. Uh, I've talked about these men of God and Bishop Chavis and different ones and about the miracles we've seen in services like that. And, and uh, oh, I, I, I miss some of the, those services that we were in with them. But I, I tell people about them. I said, because these are the things that can happen with God. This stuff can still happen. It's not, it's not dead and gone. It can still happen today. But they're not going to believe that if nobody's telling them. And you know what? What what that makes me want to spend more time in prayer. When I think about all these things and miracles that, that were done, the things that I saw, it, it just makes me want to be uh, more in tune with God, so I can see that again. I, you know, I've seen, I've seen what God can do. But I I, I watch younger people coming in the church, and I'm like, oh, uh, we, we'll we'll tell them. I wish you could have been in one of those camp meetings. Down there in Milstead years ago with Brother Conway walking around that room calling people out, healing cancers and sicknesses being gone. Just, I mean, miracles, signs, and wonders. And just, I said, oh, we wish you could worship choir, singing angels in the room. I mean, just power of God, people falling out in the spirit. I mean, just, we, we tell them about it. And if we had a VCR, we, we used to show them because we had a lot of tapes. Well, I don't even have a VCR anymore. So I don't even know if you can get a VCR anymore. But anyway, 
uh, we used to show them. We'd bring them young, when we started the church, we'd bring young people over and we'd say, here's our camp, camp meetings. And they was like, is that you in the choir, Pastor? <laughs> yeah, it was. Head banging in the choir. <laughs> hey, I, I was new in church. I didn't know how to do all that. Uh, I, all I knew how to do was. Yeah, that's just how it was. That's all. It, the Lord liked it. So. If you can make a joyful noise, you can headbang. So anyway, but look, he said, we're going we're gonna to declare this stuff, verse 6. He said, we're going to declare it to the children. Why? Verse 7, that they might set their hope in God. Man, look, young people and children today are faced with so many things. Like, like Jehoshaphat, I, I could choose Balaam. Well, now in school, they can say, you can choose what gender you want to be. I mean, it, it's everywhere because these celebrities, they're just in the news. Oh, well, yeah, I, I, we had a, a baby, but we're going to let it decide. It. I never called my child an it. You know how mad I was at them. but we'll, we'll, we'll let them decide as they get older. Are you kidding me? God decided long ago. You can't change what God's decided. You can't change his word. You can't, but see, they, they, they got these choices now. They, they get in school and the teachers tell them you can choose and the professors tell them you can choose and celebrities tell them you can choose and, and these music artists and things like that tell them you can choose. You, you, you do you, you do your life. There is a way that seemeth right. And listen, it says to a man, do you know what a man is before he's ever a man? He's a child. He grows into thinking it's my way or no way. And we're here to cut that off. Uh, we're here to nip that in the bud, they used to say. We, we're trying to tell them, so listen, we want to make sure that you understand that uh, you might be in the world, but you're not of the world. And, and you need to live your life for the Lord God and you need to serve God that called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You need to serve him. He said they, they can set their hope in God. That hope, the Bible says, it's like an anchor to the soul. And when the storms are blowing, they won't be moved off to just any old thing because they know that their hope is in God. And they won't forget the works of God but keep his commandments. So they might not be as their father's you know, Israel had some, some rough relatives. The Bible says they were stubborn and rebellious. They set not their heart aright, and their spirit was not steadfast with God. I want my kids, I wanted my kids, and my wife and I, we decided we want our kids to trust God. They were going to make their own decisions as they got older. We knew that, but as long as I was the parent, and as long as they was in my house, it was like, hey, guess what? I'm your friend, but before I'm your friend, I'm your dad. And then they got the double stick because I was their pastor too. And I said, so, no, you're not going there. But why? I said, because we don't go there. Can I go there? No. Why not? Because we don't go there. Why? Because this, this, and this goes on there. But I'm not going to do that. That's right, because you won't be there. 
wasn't hard. Very simple equation. Figure it out. But it was, and it wasn't that we were trying to stifle them or, or shelter them so they were little old Holy Ghost hermits that didn't know how to act around people. We didn't take them out of public school. We didn't do that. They were in public school. But if the public school can have them for five days a week and the church can only get them on Sunday for 45 or 50 minutes, maybe an hour sometimes, man, don't you know that the parents have got a job to do at home? Yeah. Teaching them and telling them and training them about the Lord because this world, and, and look, they, they're going to have friends. They're going to make friends with people that don't know the Lord. And, and so there's gonna, it's going to be like there's just choices swirling all around them. And we want them to choose this day who they'll serve. We want them to serve the Lord. Does it not mean that they won't make a mistake? Sure they will. But man, if they know the Lord, they know that that mistake doesn't cancel out the mercy of God and the grace of God and that uh, they can find their way back to the Lord one day. They can ask forgiveness. I mean, you, you teach them. We're building lives it's easier to build them strong now than to repair them later. Strong in faith, strong in doctrine, strong in word, strong in obedience. I mean, from the earliest time on, man, we would teach our kids. And some of you, I know I've seen these other little babies running here doing it. You walk up to these little babies and say, how many gods are there? And they go, one God. That's like a first phrase they learn, you know, just put that little finger up, one God. Well, that's, that's good because here, O Israel, the Lord our God's one. We teach them there's one God, and that's it. The gods of this world don't apply. Balaam don't apply. Just, just the Lord God, the Lord God Almighty, the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Jesus Christ of Nazareth. That's him. Teach them that. Don't, don't wait till they're, they're older and, and they get set in their ways. I told, I told a good friend of mine one time, I said, uh, I, I was trying to talk to him. He was talking to me about his kids and stuff one time and saying some things about it. And I told him, I said, brother, if you don't get a handle on this now, whew, it's going to be tough in, in a few years. Well, we don't want to be too hard on them. I said, well, then don't be hard on them. You can still tell them the truth and, and love them and show them. I said, show them. You know, teach them. Tell them why. Don't just tell them do it. Tell them why. That we, we do this and tell them why we don't do this. Explain it to them. Let them help them to understand. And, and but I said, but if you just don't say nothing, man, they're just like a leaf in the wind. Well, I'm just telling you, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. And that's, that's what we need to learn today. Uh, Paul, again, writing to Timothy, said this, First Timothy 4, and I know I'm, I'm probably clo coming in close to a landing, but First um, Timothy 4, he told Timothy in verse 12, let no man despise your youth. Be an example of the believers in word, conversation, that's not just your talk, but your behavior, in charity, in, in spirit, in faith, in purity. That's, you need to be examples of these things. He said, and until I get back, till I come, give attendance to reading, exhortation, doctrine, don't neglect the gift that's in you, it was given you by prophecy, laying on the hands of the presbytery. Meditate upon these things. Give yourself wholly to them that your profiting might appear unto all. And then he said, take heed to yourself 
into the doctrine, continue in them, for in doing this you will both save yourself and them that hear you. So he's telling Timothy, he said, here's the recipe for success, Timothy. But somebody had to model that behavior. Timothy can't be an example of something he's never seen. He's got to see this lived out. He's got to see this told. He's got to see somebody doing these things. Uh, and Paul is not telling Timothy anything that he hasn't done or that his grandmother hasn't done or that his mother hasn't done. And so when we, we want these kids to, uh, you know, we want them to be examples, but they need an example to follow. Paul said, be followers of me as I follow Christ. Be an example of those things. And did Paul have struggles? Paul wasn't perfect. He said it. He said, I'm not perfect. Not, I haven't attained to that yet. I'm not, uh, I'm not saying the things I say uh, that I do because I'm perfect. He said, I'm striving for that, for that completeness in the Lord. I'm trying to get there. I've got, I've got thorns in my flesh I wish the Lord would remove. But he said, I can do it with them. So I'm, and you know, there's days when I, I don't want to do evil, but I end up doing it. There's days I want to do good, and then I don't. He said, so I, I have my struggles too. There's a war in my members. But he did say, I'm just going to keep reaching forth. I'm going to keep reaching forth and doing what I'm supposed to do. But this last verse in verse 16 when it said, take heed to thyself. I want you to look, we're going to look way back to Deuteronomy 4 and 9 and see how look at the opening line take heed to thyself that's Old Testament that's Moses talking to the people that's uh, what the Lord's trying to get them to say take heed to yourself keep your soul diligently or you might forget the things which your eyes have seen and they might depart from your heart all the days of your life you got to take heed to yourself. you got to watch yourself because somebody else is watching you. And that's what he, he began to tell Timothy. He said, take heed to yourself. He said, because it'll save you and those that hear you. It's not just good for you. It's good for somebody else. You'll be an example. So our children need to see us strong also. We need to pass on the ounce of prevention. Tell them about consequences build them up strong you know, strong men, men and women of God are first faithful boys and girls of God that's why we push youth camps and things like that send them kids to camp man let them make relationships there why are we so dead set on our kids having relationships in every other arena but the church you know, we want them to be part of a team. Okay. I got nothing against playing ball. I played ball. Nothing, I, I don't have, unless ball takes the place of the Lord. And if ball or the culture of ball keeps you out of church or causes you to do something contrary to the word, you need to drop the ball. That's just it. Anything that will cause you to turn your head from the Lord, let go of it. But so but send them to camps. Send them to places where they can meet other young people and realize that, hey, there's more people than just the people in my youth group serving God. There's, man, go to, go to NAYC and see about 32 or 33,000 young people that just want to love the Lord because it's there. 
send them those things. And I know I'm running out of time. I don't have time to finish everything that I had for this lesson. But it's better if we can build strong than to repair. I want, I want young people to have that kind of integrity with God that they would say, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. I want them to trust God. I want them to know that the name of the Lord is a strong tower. I want them to, to trust in that rod and that staff. And when they go through that valley of the shadow of death, they won't fear any evil because they have learned to have hope in God and not to turn off to the things of this world. Build them strong. Build them strong. You can stand with me this morning. In... Psalm 120, and I don't, I didn't give you this, so don't worry about this. I'm just going to read a couple of things right here as we get ready to close. But we want our children to reflect our success. I mean, any success I have, you know, I try to pass it on. But I want them to forsake my mistakes. You tell them things because, hey, I'm trying to tell you so you don't make the same mistakes I made. We try to tell them and teach them. So uh, be greater, be better than I am. But you teach them, you show them. And I was just thinking, looking through, and I just noticed in Psalm, starting in Psalm 120, I'm just going to read the, the, first, the first verse in each one of these psalms. In Psalm 120 and 1, it says, In my distress, I cried unto the Lord, and he heard me. Somebody taught that person about crying out. Psalm 121 and 1, I'll lift up my eyes unto the hill from whence cometh my help. They've learned where to look. 122 and 1. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. They've learned that going to church is a great thing and a good place to be. 123 and 1. Unto thee, Lord, I lift up my eyes, O thou that dwellest in the heavens. Again, where do I look? I look to the Lord. Psalm 124 and 1 says, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side. And then in verse 8 it says, our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. 125 says, they that trust in the Lord shall be as Mount Zion which cannot be removed, but abideth forever. Friend, it, it just pays to, to raise your children. And all of us that are a little older, that are mentors to these kids that are coming up, let them see you worship. Let them see you. You'd be surprised. These kids that are in them Sunday school rooms right now, they look up to this youth group, these, these uh, hyphen age and even some of us elders and if all they do is see us Brother Arnold would say doing your statue impersonation on the pew yeah doing that Mount Rushmore you know well you can't you just sit sitting still don't never moved by anything man let them see you worshiping praying running dancing singing testifying let them see how much you love God so that they'll learn to love God John wrote this in uh, 3 John 1 and 4. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. But they can't walk in something they hadn't heard about. And that's a fact. So teach them. Teach your friends. Sometimes you'll be a mentor to somebody. They may be first generation apostolic. That's all right. I was first generation apostolic. I had great people in my life that taught me about serving God. Man, great friends that 
I, I don't know where I would have been if they hadn't stayed in the altar with me praying and talking to me and teaching me Bible studies and, and just showing me this new life. It worked. It worked. And so we've tried to pass that on. So let's, let's strive for that ounce of prevention. And let's, let's, let's never have to pay for that pound of cure. Amen. Let's pray together. The Lord, we love you this morning. Thank you for the provision of your word. And Lord, I pray today that we'll just be examples. Lord, we're not going to despise our youth. And Lord, we're not going to despise our age. Lord, if we, Lord, we're going to continue to be examples of the truth, of the love and mercy of the delivering power of the Holy Ghost. We're going to continue to testify and tell our young people of the great things of God. And we're going to see you work in their lives and they're going to be overcomers and they're going to be healed and delivered and set free. And they're going to be great men and women of God. And we believe it today in Jesus' name.